Uh, how's everybody doing? Uh, thank you, Pastor Troy. I am um, one of the campus pastors, for those that don't know me, in on the east side. Uh, so it's good to be here with the west side family this evening. Uh, I'm just going to jump right into the word here. By a show of hands, um, how many here have heard of uh, Denzel Washington? Okay. Some of you didn't have your hands up. That's okay. Uh, uh, but <laughs> interesting. Okay. Tried to pick like the person that probably most people at least heard of. Uh, how, but how many people, let's keep our hands up if you've heard of Denzel Washington. Uh, keep your hand up if you, if you know Denzel Washington. Okay, I don't see any hands. So, there, yeah, I was like, I was going to call him out, right? Come, come up and, and tell us a story. Um, the reason I ask that question is there's something that's very different uh, and unique to hear of or to know something or someone versus to actually know that person, right? Like it's a completely different thing. And I think one of the things that God is saying, I love everything that Pastor Troy, Pastor Troy just said because I sense in my spirit that God during this time wants us all to go deeper in him. And one of the things that I think God wants is for us to, to know him uh, and not just to, through hearsay, right? But to actually know him right, to actually go into intimacy with him. And I think in part of this knowing process, God wants us to, God, God wants to reveal specific characteristics about his nature to us, right? Like for those that are in relationships or been married for a long period of time, it's like you have a spouse and I'm sure you know things about each other that no one else knows, right? So God wants us to know specific characteristics about his nature. I mean, let's look at Jeremiah 24 and verse 9. I'm sorry, 9 and, uh, verse 24, it says, but let him, he, let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. I, I found this definition of like, you know, the, the Hebrew, uh, what does it mean to know God or to know someone intimately? I thought this was interesting. It says, to know is to not be intellectually informed about some abstract principle. I like that. But to apprehend and experience reality, knowledge is not about the possession of information, but rather it's exercise or actualization. Can't even say that. Actualization. There it is. And so what does that mean? It means that there's something about the Lord that is, goes beyond just a mental ascent, right? There's something that ties to our hearts to want to connect with him on a very intimate level. And so really my heart behind this message this evening is to really help you deepen your faith and strengthen your relationship with him. Um, I think in order to ultimately say that we love God, we really need to know and, dare I say, wrestle with aspects of God, much like Jacob did. And so uh, to, to help you kind of introduce the, the specific aspect of God we're going to talk about tonight, I want to tell a story. So there was a, a man who uh, was a business owner, and he was an entrepreneur, and he became very successful, had a home. And so what he wanted to do for his wife was buy her a dream cabin somewhere in the woods. But it was a dream cabin, right? So it was very immaculate. It was, had a fireplace. Um, it was a place that they could basically vacation often uh, as they like to do in the woods. Um, but there was only one problem. Uh, when they would go uh, to this cabin, it had a cockroach issue. <laughs> it was okay. It was a cockroach infestation in this cabin. That's right. Um, and so no problem. Um, you know, cockroaches. So, so uh, of course, you're probably thinking, what did the husband do? He uh, hired a, an exterminator. Exterminator came out, got rid of all the cockroaches. Okay. So all was well. Uh, they close up the cabin for the season, go back to their regular lives. And so what happened was very interesting. The next season, when they came to the cabin, there were no cockroaches. There was another problem. Uh, there was actually a termite infestation now within this cabin. And, and so, of course, like, okay, termites, I mean, that might be even worse than cockroaches. Cockroaches are nasty, but they're not going to, like, you know, eat up the wood and, and destroy the cabin. And so, uh, of course, what does the husband do? He calls exterminator, and exterminator comes out. Exterminator surveys uh, this particular species of cockroach. He, he takes samples, and with a kind of dejected sigh, he breathes and said, you know what, I, I'm unable to get rid of these termites. As a matter of fact, I can only think of one thing that can get rid of these termites, termites and he said, cockroaches. <laughs> What's the point? The point is, is that when I said cockroaches, there, most people in here were like, oh my gosh, not cockroaches, but even cockroaches have a purpose. 
And so um, here's the principle. I don't know if we have it. We could put it on the screen. And, and, and the title of this message is Purposely Purposeful. Say that three or four or five times fast. Purposely Purposeful. Here's the central idea. Everything big or small, that God does or allows is by design. God's actions or lack thereof are always intentional. So we're going to really unpack and wrestle, hopefully, with this idea about God that he's very intentional in his being, that accidents and coincidences are not in God's vocabulary. In other words, there's something, there's a very detailed and meticulous nature about God. I don't know if we truly understand the gravity of this, uh, dare I say, anybody in this room or most believers that have lived. Uh, for example, did you know, this was, you know, again, 2020, COVID, the term virus kept popping up in very popular conversation, but did you know that viruses actually have a purpose? It's like crazy to think about that, right? We always think about viruses as, as, as this like disease and this negative connotation, but uh, the, the, the Christian, he's, he's really awesome. He's, I, I really encourage you to read some of his stuff. His name's Hugh Ross. He's a, a Christian astrophysicist, which kind of seems like, a, a, you know, like, a, like, like it couldn't um, work together, but he actually is. And he says that actually um, viruses do a lot of good things. One of the main things they do is stop the uncontrollable growth of bacteria. He says, or our planet would basically ultimately become a giant slime ball without viruses. It's crazy. Uh, even, even another one, I, I, was, I was getting into like um, this idea of functional medicine and diet uh, a few years ago, and I still do. And I remember being a kid, I don't know how everybody being a kid, but there was like people that would, kids that would be in the class, they would be absent. And um, they would come back and say, oh, I had some surgery. I said, what surgery did you have? They said, well, I got my appendix removed. And so I was like, I was, as a kid, I was always fearful and I was always like, you know, oh, when am, when, when am I going to have my appendix removed, right? Like, like that was, that and tonsils, like the two things that I feared the most, like as a kid, uh, when it came to, to doctors. And so, you know, for many, many, many years, doctors thought that the appendix really had no, no purpose. But, it, but it, it actually turns out that um, the appendix is actually linked to, to um, what they call really healthy flora or gut bacteria uh, that, they, that will basically be stored in the appendix and uh, help your body, um, you know, be a part of your immune system and, and, and digest food and all of that, right? I'm butchering the explanation here, but uh, the point is even the appendix has a purpose. Uh, my, my father, uh, for those that know him, he's, you know, he, he details vehicles. Uh, and and de- when I say detail, uh, it's, it's not really doing it justice. I mean, he goes over the thing with a toothbrush, you know, like very, very, very fine detail vehicles. And so he, he'll, he'll take me into his garage and, and, you know, of course, the season is upon us for this. And he'll show me the, the latest and greatest gadget. And, I mean, he's got a, a, a gadget for everything, like something from under the car, inside just the panel, the windows, you know, eight different types of wax, right? And the point is, is like each one of these tools and mechanisms has a distinct purpose. And so the purposes behind God's design and function are very distinct. They're very specific. They're extraordinarily calculated. And I think that we have to really resolve this about the Lord. Um, you know, so, okay, so you might say, why? Like, why is it important for us to understand this particular aspect about God? It's easy for us to, to relate to the Lord being uh, all loving, right? Or all powerful. But all purposeful is kind of like, okay, I don't really know if that's necessarily, how does that matter to me, right? And so, um, but, but here's the truth. The, that purpose is linked, or I should say lack there of purpose, or, or, or when you don't understand design or purpose, it is linked to abuse and sin, right? So the idea is I can come up with a lot of examples. I'll give you like five quick ones. Eating, if you don't understand the, eat, the purpose of food, uh, you can abuse it. And there can be issues, all kinds of issues related to that. Sleeping, if you have too much sleep or too little sleep, there can be issues with that if you don't understand purpose. Uh, sex, that's a big one, right? Like God said, I've ordained sex between one man, one woman in the confines of a covenant called marriage. If you come outside of that purpose, there can be issues with that, and I don't need to even go into that one because I think we all agree. Uh, let's look at the natural world. Fire. I, can, I could chop up some wood, and I could, you know, go into a fireplace or put, uh, use wood to, to cook meals. I could use it for a fireplace. I mean, I could use fire for all kinds of things, or I could, we could just, I'm not going to do this, Pastor. We could set a fire on the stage, and it would not be good, right? The point is, is that there's purpose in fire, right? 
uh, water, last one. I mean, you, we do so many things, so many wonderful things with water. We drink water, we bathe, we wash dishes. Uh, but again, if a flood comes, uh, it's going to have a catastrophic effect on that particular area or region. And so the point is, is that it is integral, I would argue, that we understand purpose and design in everything. And so when you think about, uh, or when you don't know, here's the point, when you don't know the purpose in any situation, ultimately it can lead to you questioning the sovereignty of God. Like, geez, Lord, I don't understand what's going on. So are you really all powerful? You know, are you really sovereign? It could lead to you question if, if God loves you. I mean, I think we've all done this. And this is not, no, this is not, of course, not a condemning message, but you, uh, bad things happen in your life and you start to question, man, does God really love me, right? So you, have, so you could see how purpose is important because it can definitely impact your heart and your perception and how you view God. We just worshiped and talked about we need to see God. We need to see him as he is, right? And so purpose is very integral in this. Um, <clears throat> one more is, um, you know, you can also even question if, if the Lord, uh, your, your own existence, I mean, your own purpose. And, and again, I don't have to go into this, but when you don't know your own purpose, it could lead to, man, is it, wh why am I here? And that could lead to a lot of frustration. So I would argue, let me give you a, a couple examples uh, in the Word, just really briefly here before we, we get into the meat of the message is that God's purposes are oftentimes misaligned with what, how we view purpose. or what, And it could be in a small situation. It could be this overarching purpose of our whole life, right? Of course, this, what is my purpose, God? Uh, so whether it's like anywhere in that spectrum, many times the Lord has a very distinct thing that he has planned, uh, but we're just misaligned with that, right? We're, we, we're not necessarily clear on what it is for, for that given time. Let me give you a couple of quick, I could just think of a thousand examples of, from Scripture, but let me give you a couple quick ones, right? So, so this one's interesting. This is the uh, woman with the alabaster box, and, and it's, here's what's interesting. Like, literally, Jesus is getting ready to be crucified, right? Like, he knows he's going to the cross, and so there's a lot of things I'm sure that he is, uh, that, that, you know, emotions and all the things that, you know, he's wrestling with. And in Matthew uh, 26 and verse 8, it says, and when the disciples saw it, so this is, you know, the, the woman comes up to Jesus and she kind of, you know, broke the alabaster uh, jar or box and, 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 and the aroma is uh, poured out on Jesus. And it says, when the disciples saw it, they were indignant. See, disciples missed the purpose. Right? Here, what did they say? They said, why the waste? They saw this as a waste. They saw the purpose of that thing was completely wasted on just dumping it out on Jesus, right? For this could, what did they say? It could have been, verse 9, could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But watch Jesus' rebuke. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. So again, Jesus shifting their perspective, shifting their perception to say, no, 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 this is the exact purpose that, that she fulfilled in this particular moment. It had nothing to do with going out, going, going out to, uh, you know, donate that to the poor because that was not necessarily the, the, the primary purpose and reason that Jesus came. Here's another, to the, along the same lines, there's another example, Matthew chapter 11, verse 4 and 5. You know, where, where John the Baptist is kind of like still, you know, I don't want to say he's in doubt, but just, you know, sends the, basically needs to be encouraged, okay? Like what, you know, he's, he's, in, he's in prison and, and Jesus um, is out doing his thing. And so uh, Jesus says, you know, we're, you'll send John the Baptist a message. As so Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. Verse five, the blind receive their sight. And we know the scripture, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. But watch the end of this. It says, the poor have the good news preached to them right? Jesus very easily could have said, the poor have all the money in the world given to them. Jesus could have done that, right? This really gets, this will really rub, in, rub uh, the theology wrong of those that view Jesus as this, like, you know, liberator Jesus, right? Like this, like, freedom rider Jesus. But no, he didn't say that. He said they have the good news preached to them. And it implies that, no, they're still going to be poor, right? What is God's purpose? That's the point. The next one, Matthew chapter 26, verse, verses uh, 53 to 54. Uh, this is where Jesus, again, is get, he's getting ready to be crucified. And as he gets arrested, Jesus, or excuse me, Peter cuts off the ear of one of the guards. And so G Jesus, as he does so, so lovingly, kind of rebukes Peter. And again, he says, do, do you not think that I cannot appeal to my father? And at once I will send, he'll send more than 12 legions of angels, but then if that happens, how then should the scriptures be fulfilled? And 
that it uh, must be so. So again, Jesus at any moment, we, we hopefully know this, could have come and, and flexed his authority. He could have come and he could have uh, healed so many people. He could have come and taught so many awesome sermons. But that still would have fell short to his ultimate purpose, which was the cross. And so you can see how the disciples were oftentimes misaligned. They, didn't, they, weren't in, they weren't in one accord in terms of what Jesus was really after in that particular moment. Um, one more I'll give you is that you think about it. Uh, I don't know if you've ever thought of this or heard this before, but Jesus came during the time where uh, Israel was occupied by Rome and he left and Israel was still occupied by Rome. Why didn't Jesus come and completely um, set the entire nation of Israel free? Why? Because that wasn't his purpose. I'll, I'll give you a little nugget. Some manuscripts of the word, not all, some, just a suggestion to you, you can go look this up on your own. They refer to Barabbas. How many remember Barabbas? Barabbas was the one that uh, was a prisoner. And uh, if you know a little bit about Barabbas, he, he basically was um, a zealot. So he was very much about overthrowing uh, this group that wanted to overthrow uh, the government of Rome. Uh, as a matter of fact, he was, people think he's in prison because of you know, violence and, and, and specifically against uh, Roman citizens. Uh, but some early manuscripts referred to him as not just Barabbas, but Jesus Barabbas. Isn't that interesting? So when the crowd yelled out, give us Barabbas, what they were really saying is we don't want this Jesus. We want this Jesus. Right. We don't want this Jesus that's preaching us, telling us to love our enemies. And that is a, a, a lamb that is you know, led to slaughter. We want this one that's going to set us free from our oppressors here right now. So what's the point? The point is, is that God's purposes oftentimes, dare I say almost every time, are far beyond what we can see in that particular moment. And so I, I want to submit to you that God is concerned with your personal affairs. Like God doesn't uh, dismiss. He always meets us where we're at, our jobs, our relationships, our, our, our families. Uh, but nothing surpasses his greater purposes. And we have to understand that. I can, you know, I'll lift off some examples, but uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Like God still took the time to appease Abraham and say, uh, yeah, I'll spare this city, you know, if we find a couple righteous. Uh, but God knew all along that that city was, was done for. Uh, Hezekiah, God extended Hezekiah's life for 15 years. And, but uh, he, so he, he appealed to Hezekiah, but in his appealing, he still told Hezekiah at the end of his life, uh, in your line, they will be judged. And we see that play out uh, in First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, and the nation of, of Israel and Judah uh, you know, fall before Babylon. And even Ezekiel, I'm, I'm in Ezekiel right now, and it's very interesting. I mean, here, here's a guy who he was 30 years old, uh, and he was supposed to be a priest, right? He's like, this is my purpose. I'm supposed to be a priest at 30 years old. I finally made it. And oh, by the way, I'm taken off to, cap taken to Babylon to captivity. And, and as a matter of fact, when God reveals himself to Ezekiel, uh, one of the crazy things, I encourage you to go, go just go read some of it or, or read a summary. I mean, he tells Ezekiel to, to cook his food uh, at first uh, on, on the dung of a human being, <laughs> like, like feces of a human being. Like these wild things that he's telling Ezekiel to do, right? And so it's, it's, it's interesting that, again, God has a perspective, but we have our own. And I want to just encourage you, and I'll continue to do this as I go through this message, is that uh, what God has for you is always going to elevate and be far more than you can ever experience in terms of what you think you, you're, you're here to do in your purpose. And so uh, as I continue on, uh, I want to reveal three stages of purpose, the three stages of revealing purpose, and then a specific ingredient that God looks for in each one of these stages. And I think what's cool about this is, is that it's, you can apply this to um, a given, you know, quote-unquote bad situation, a good situation, small situation, big situation. But I think if we, if we adopt this way of, of, of um, you know, repenting and opening up our eyes to, to look at the Lord this way, I think what we'll see is that we'll start to get God's perspective more uh, other than, than our own. So let me just pray, uh, and then we'll get into this. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, so much for your word. We thank you, Lord God, that you, you see uh, the past, you see the present, you see the future. You know, Lord God, intimately, Father, uh, the things that you have ordained before time. And so we pray, Lord God, that we would humble ourselves, we would come in alignment with your word, and show us, Lord God, exactly um, who you are and as a result, who we are. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So the first stage is pursuit, pursuit. And in this particular stage, um, God's looking for perseverance, perseverance. These are all, I'm going to give you all the the P words, right? Uh, Pursuit. And in this stage, perseverance. Question that oftentimes comes up, I'm sure most, if not everybody in here has wrestled with, is why does God often appear to hide purpose? Like, Lord, why not just show up in the mountaintop and just tell me, you know, as soon as we're born, as soon as we're able to speak, hey, here's the 10 things I need you to do while you're here on earth. And when you get them, get them all, it's like your chore list, right? When you get them all done, then you can go play, right? <laughs> like, why doesn't God do that? Why does it often seem unclear? You know, why do things happen in our lives oftentimes that, that appear to lack meaning? I remember, I, just like it was yesterday, 2019, um, it was actually this particular Sunday where we, we had to cancel service, Pastor. I don't know if you remember this, but it has, it has snowed like crazy. It was in January. We actually had to cancel services. And I go, I'm out in the, in the driveway shoveling and I finish and I like kind of like keel over and I feel this like sharp pain in my stomach. And that really started and ensued a whole year of abdominal pain and digestive issues and all this stuff. And so the whole year I'm wrestling with the Lord, like, what is this? Why did this come out of the blue? And it was so cloudy to me. I didn't understand uh, if this even happened. Many times, I, many times during that year, I didn't understand how this had to do anything with the Lord, right? And I'm sure in your own life, you can already think, you know, things of, you know, side, you know, hit you when you least expect it. Uh, they they, they um, you know, surprised you. And, and, and it could be good things as well. Uh, but, but it's actually the, the answer to this question is the same reason why Jesus asked the lame man at, Beth, at the pool of Bethesda, do you want to be healed? I'll come back to that. So in James chapter four in verse eight, uh, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, it says, it's, it, again, this, this leans in on a, this specific aspect of God. Uh, and specifically this idea of pursuing purpose. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And so as I go through these, I want to kind of just put some nuggets, some principles that I encourage you to write down and remember. Uh, But here's the first one. It's, here's the principle. God provides all you need before you're aware of it. I'll say it again. God provides all you need before you're aware of it. So it's there. It's, it's much like um, if you're getting ready, you know, parents that I've had, I had three boys and, you know, before the child comes here, you start to get the diapers. You start to get the, the stuff that is going to support the life of that baby, right? You get the crib. Uh, you, you, you're, you know, you're having the baby shower, so on and so forth, right? God did this himself, right? Before, if you read, go back and read Genesis chapter 1, and two and three, before Adam and Eve were, were, were created, God created the world. He created the animals. He, you know, he created all of these things to support life first. And you say, okay, well, that's pretty straightforward. Like that, duh, okay, where are you going with this? Okay, let's keep going. Um, I, I, my, my children, I play video games with my children every once in a while, and um, they will... Um, play games to where you create your own character. I don't know how many of the young people play games where before you get into the game, you're able to basically create whoever you want to create in the game, right? Like you want them to have, I don't like my my light hair, so I want to give them dark hair, right? I don't like, you know, having glasses, so I don't want to give them a glasses, so on and so forth, right? And, um, you know, the idea is, is that is how our society is structured today right? Like you can create your own truth. You can create your own reality, right? And we see a lot of this today. I, I was writing this point and I was like, oh yeah, we, this, is, this is an easy point to make. But it's interesting, right? Like how many remember being in the womb? <laughs> like nobody. <laughs> but could you, so for anybody that does remember being in the womb, did, did you remember meeting with God and him giving you like an application and you were allowed to create attributes about yourself? Does anybody? Wouldn't that be cool? Like you're, you're, you're about to be born and you say, God, look, uh, I want to be a boy. Okay, I want to be a girl. Okay, I want to have, uh, I want to be, you know, seven, five, whatever, right? Like, wouldn't that be cool? No. Why, 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 is that, why is that not the case? It's because of this point. God already had a plan for you in mind. He dictates purpose. So here's what the world does. Let me give you kind of a sequential thing, and this is good to remember. The world says, when you're productive in something, and I use the word productive very loosely, I don't mean like doing something well, I just mean being busy doing something, the world will assign value to you based off of that thing, right? And then as a result of that value, you find your identity, okay? So it's productivity leads to value, leads to identity, right? In the kingdom, it's reversed, 
right? And when I say in the kingdom, ultimately, we're talking about purpose tonight. So God's purpose is it's reverse. God first assigns identity. He tells you who you are based on that word that gives you value. And then you go out and be productive and do some stuff based on that value. You see that? So productivity, value, identity in the kingdom, it's identity, value, productivity. Let's read a couple of scriptures just to continue to stay on this point. Ephesians 2.10, very popular. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God did what? Prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I love this scripture, Proverbs 20 and 5. You should definitely take note of this one. I'm going to reference it later. The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a, but a man of understanding draws it out. So it's this idea that, remember, we're talking about pursuit. We're talking about uh, perseverance. By nature, God is not, and I'm going to tell you why in a moment, but God is not interested in just, um, here you go, right? Or he's definitely not interested in you just figuring out yourself. Okay, okay, well, why not? Okay, so let's go into why not. There's really ultimately two big reasons why we won't persevere. We won't pursue purpose. They're pride and fear. I mean, really, you know, kind of classic uh, barriers that we must uh, conquer, giants we must conquer, if you will. Pride, why? Pride because it takes great humility to say, I don't know God, show me. Those simple words, but it has to, it has to be an extension of your heart. So pride can, be, can get in the way big time and many times, oftentimes does, uh, for us to actually see who we are in Christ. But then there's also fear, and I specifically want to talk about this one uh, because it's, it's specifically something I refer to as the threshold of fear. So anything that you're going to, that, that, that anything that God has aligned a for you or set up for you in purpose, there's always this accompanying, accompanied like doorway, if you will, or this threshold, and it represents fear. Uh, it's almost like this, like one of my greatest fears, everyone knows this about me, is, is wildlife in general, but snakes specifically. Uh, and I knew, man, I, I cut my grass the first time uh, the other day, and I knew as soon as I cut the corner, I was like, Lord, I know I'm going to see a snake. And sure enough, this huge snake is just that it wasn't even that big, but it was, it was like, it was, yeah, well, I know, right? It, has, it looked like a python to me, but no. So anyways, but it's like if God was like, your purpose is way on that back wall, but, this, but, but just like Indiana Jones, like this whole floor is filled with snakes. There's only one way for me to get to my purpose, right? I can try to like think, hey, can I try to like latch something to the ceiling? Nope, that's not going to work. Like, you know, we move all the chairs, everything's gone. No, I have to go through my fear. I have to push through that threshold of fear. I, I love this quote. I, I don't even know who, where I got this quote from. <laughs> Somebody said this. <laughs> it says, fear alone ensures we remain ignorant. So pride and fear. We must swallow our pride, push through the threshold of fear if we're going to begin. Remember, this is just the beginning, right? <laughs> begin pursuing God's purposes. Okay, so come back to that question. Why does God hide purpose? It has to do with this idea, and this is, we could do a whole sermon series on this, but this principle of capacity and understanding. Capacity and understanding. Uh, you might just write this down. Um, it's God knows that the most important, one of the most important keys to unlocking your purpose is not about information, but rather about transformation. I'll say it one more time. God knows that one of the most important keys to unlocking your purpose is not about information. It's not just like knowing mentally but it's about transforming into the image of Christ. Like, think about this. I was like, God, where is this true in the natural? He was like, he showed me this. He said, imagine if you can talk to a caterpillar trying to explain the concept of flight to a caterpillar. He'd look at you like, I'm just supposed to crawl and eat in this leaf all day, right? No, the caterpillar's ultimate purpose is to morph into a butterfly and fly and take flight. But it doesn't happen just by teaching the caterpillar or by explaining it to the caterpillar. It happens through transformation. And so God withholds revelation, oftentimes not because we can't see, but oftentimes because we don't want to see. And so uh, it's not a question of God revealing purpose, but rather a seeking. Seeking mean, meaning in everything, pursuing purpose in every season. So I just want to pause to encourage everyone in the room. If you're going through a dry season, uh, a semi-dry season, if you come out of a dry season, start to pursue purpose in that season. I should have said this earlier, but um, this particular message uh, was a, as a result of a personal wrestling that I'm having in my own life. So if this doesn't appeal to anybody this evening, I apologize. And I'm just, you're just, you're just listening into me vent to the Lord. Okay. So that, I mean, literally um, we go through these seasons and oftentimes they're not ideal for what we want. 
Um, but there, there is purpose in that season. Number two, let me move along. Preparation. So we've got uh, pursuit, and the ingredient that God wants to reveal is perseverance or, or require. Uh, the second stage, and this is arguably the hardest one, is preparation. And the ingredient here is patient, and I put in a bonus, and, and it's, we've heard this before, but pain, right? Hurt and pain. Okay, so once we finally come into agreement that with God that we must be transformed, we quickly learn that the revealing of purpose is not an overnight event. It would be nice if it was, but it's not. And, and, and again, like I said, this is arguably the hardest stage, but God, again, confirmed and affirmed in me that this stage cannot be skipped. And so you think about I, a couple examples, the story of David, Moses, Noah, Peter, Paul, Jesus. I already talked about um, Ezekiel. I can go on and on. Um, but there was a preparation stage and phase in all of their lives and others uh, that, they, that was difficult many times. And so here, here's, um, here's one of the, the, the principles with this, or you know, two principles, is that, you know, okay, it would be one thing to go through a trial and it would last like a millisecond, right? We could probably deal with that. What makes a trial specifically hard is the time, right? That's what makes it hard. It's like, you know, if, if I say, you, you know, you have some sort of illness, for example, or, you know, you lose your job, but, it, but, it, but then the situation reverses in five seconds, it's like, okay, was it really that difficult, right? All you had to do is, to do is endure for five seconds. What makes it challenging is time. And so what's the principle here is that purpose, watch this, is often limited to time, right? It's often connected to the idea of time. One quick example is like speaking in tongues. When you read the Bible, uh, speaking in tongues uh, was not in the Old Testament, Okay, so it's, it was specific to time, right? There's something about passage of time, Jesus coming, uh, coming, dying, going up to heaven, and then now all of a sudden that gift is poured out, right? So it's the idea of time. We could do this with a lot of examples, but that's just one I just thought of. And it leads to the second principle, and, and this I think is very powerful. It's, this, it's a simple principle, but it's the principle of repurposing something. It's the principle of repurpose. And what's the point here? While God is preparing you, Watch this. God never wastes. He repurposes. He never wastes. So think about the worst thing that's happened to you in your life. Think about some things that um, have happened to you. God does not waste that experience. Sure, he'll, he'll heal you from that thing. He'll bring you out of that thing. But God still will draw forth uh, purpose from that experience. And so this should encourage us. This should cause us to look at every season of life as, man, God could potentially use this for something. This can't go wasted. And that's how we have to start thinking. I thought of some, some pretty cool, um, you know, business. We were talking about, just, just talking about entrepreneurship. And so I think this is really good when Pastor Troy is talking about starting a business. Because a lot of us have probably already started businesses and they failed, right? Well, watch this. I, I, I could have probably listed 50 examples. There, I'm going to give you a couple examples of some, some products or businesses that started that we all know well, but they started as a failure. Uh, Post-its. Has anybody heard, know, heard the Post-it story, like the Post-it notes? Okay, those are created by mistake. Now, Post-its have probably made billions of dollars throughout since its, its creation. But originally, that particular company, I think it was 3M, was trying to create a super strong adhesive. That was the goal that they were trying to achieve. And as a result, they failed and they made something that wasn't really that sticky at all. And lo and behold, it got transformed into what we know as the Post-it note. Right. Uh, another one, um, Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola was originally supposed to, uh, was designed, its creator, well, he was just looking for a way to cure headaches. Well, I don't know if Coca-Cola at all will cure a headache today, right? But out of that failure was birthed Coca-Cola. Let me give you a, a, an example in the Bible. Joseph, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Uh, he, he says, basically, we know the story, I mean, the, story the story of Joseph, really, to, to kind of like put, uh, summarize it very quickly, uh, his brother's. Um, you know, basically sell him into slavery. He becomes a slave. He starts to do well at that particular season of time. Uh, but then he gets put in prison. And while he's in prison, uh, the one guy that he helps out, he forgets about him. Uh, but long story short, he ends up getting out of prison, interpreting some dreams, and he, he ends up as the second in command in all the nation of, of Egypt. So it's an awesome story. But, but again, one of the, the classic scriptures at the end, I don't have the scripture, but the, the principle is the very thing that meant to destroy Joseph, God repurposed it to save and grow the nation of Israel. So think about it. God's vantage point was already in a place was, oh, a famine is coming in the land, right? And I have to preserve my people. 
Okay, so now I have to, uh, and I'll come back to this point, but I'm not saying that God uh, causes things to, to, to happen bad to you. What I'm saying is a lot of times God will allow them, right, in order to draw out a, a, a bigger purpose. So God saw already the, the sequence that must happen, and ultimately it led to an amazing thing. Not only the preserving of the nation of Israel, but also the growth, because in Egypt is where they eventually grew and expanded, Okay. And so we have to learn what it means to embrace failure and pain, not because uh, in some weird uh, sort of, uh, you know, way that we don't, are not believing for healing. I don't mean that. What I mean is that seek purpose and what God could use, how God could repurpose that uh, failure and pain. The, these things are actually integral to your ultimate purpose. I mean, James 1 and chapter, James 1 and chapter 3 is a James chapter one, all of James chapter one, I'd heard, encourage you to read it. But there's this word that's used here, and it's the term steadfastness. It's like when you take joy, when you fall into all kinds of trials of various kinds. Why? Because it produces something called steadfastness. Well, here, let me just, you know, read to you a, 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 the Greek definition I found for this word. It says, it's the New Testament um, characteristic of a person who is not swerved from their deliberate purpose and their loyalty to faith by even the greatest trials and sufferings. And then in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18, it says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in, in Christ Jesus for you. And so as you go through your life, there's this idea of tests and traps, right? Tests and traps. The difference between a test and a trap depends on the one initiating it. So a test is something that God would initiate. A trap is something that Satan would lay down in hopes to ensnare you. But here's the good news. And we can see this, like a couple examples I thought about was Abraham and Isaac, right? That was a test from God. But then Joseph, again, the story I just told, uh, he talks about what the enemy, you know, meant for evil. So regardless of the source of it, God can bring something good out of both. If we just humble ourselves and say, you know what, I'm going to allow you, Lord, to work in this particular season to reveal purpose. Because I know there's something that you're doing within this pain, within this, this struggle, within this trial to transform and to reveal in me. And so in conclusion on this point, here's the, the end of the matter. You can either be better or you can be bitter. Many times the source of trouble could also be the same source of blessing. I'm going to propose something to you. Could it be that the Lord is using that very thing to produce something greater in you? Again, I can think of a lot of examples from Scripture, but Joshua and conquering. I mean, he could have just gave Joshua the promised land, but no, he's like, look, you have a trial here. I want to use you to defeat these giants, to defeat these enemies. David, of course, you know, being anointed king, but yet, you know, Goliath stood in his way, and then Saul. Uh, Esther, you know, she didn't ask to be there, right? But she had to push through that threshold of fear, right, in order to be pushed into her ultimate purpose. And so God wants to transform your pains or problems into a, into a platform. One of the, the cool uh, examples that I've, I've seen on this is there's this uh, surfer. Her name is Bethany Hamilton. I don't know if anybody's heard of her, um, but a crazy thing happens. She's surfing one day, and her whole arm gets bit off by a shark. Now, I don't want to do a show of hands, but I'm almost positive every, any of everybody in this room would never want to be in that situation. It's like, God, why didn't you stop that from happening? Why didn't you close the mouth of the shark to preserve her arm, right? I would ne I, I, I'm terrified of the ocean. I think you probably know that about me. But what's crazy is she not only learned how to, like, uh, surf, and as far as I can tell, she still surfs to this day with one, one arm, but her story got out there. She's a believer. She starts, she uses this as a platform to minister. Her pain got transformed into purpose. And as a result of her story, thousands have come to know Christ. So you got to look at yourself. We have to come humble ourselves, right? Pride. Come outside of ourselves and say, what is God ultimately after? And so, of course, like that was a horrific thing. But out of that, she could have just used that thing. It's already happened. So she could be bitter about it or she could see what, how God could reveal purpose. And so here's the principle. Pain that is not being transformed is being transmitted. I'll say it one more time. Pain that is not being transformed is being transmitted. So you got two options when you, when you go through some trials and you have some pain that you endure. You can either allow that to transform you and allow it to be applied to the purposes that God would have you to use it for, 
or ultimately, we've all heard this, this, this phrase, hurt people hurt people, it's going to transmit itself uh, to your children, to your family members, to your coworkers, uh, and like a virus, you know, that bitterness spreads. And we've, we see that all too much, all too often. So I, I want to just pause here to say in the body of Christ, I think, I know, it's, I know it takes great courage, but we have, to, we have to start to lean more into understanding that God is purposeful, even if it's something that is terrible, it's something that we're struggling with, we're frustrated about, we need to give it in God's hands. See what he'll do with it. See how he'll uh, retool it, repurpose it, and use it for a greater, a greater thing. Um, to close on this point, you got, it's the coal versus the candle principle, right? If, if a coal is, 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 is hot, when the winds blow, it's going to ignite that heat to be hotter. But if a candle is lit and winds blow, that candle is going to fizzle out. So I want to encourage you, be, become coals, right? You want, to be a, you want to be a coal. When the winds of this world blow, you want that just to help you to burn, burn stronger and brighter for God, not like a candle and just blow out and then, you know, you're, you're, you're in bitterness. Okay, last one, last stage. So we've got pursuit, preparation, and the final one is perspective. Perspective. And, in, and the key ingredient in this particular stage is peace. Peace. If you want to write this one down, God in his word, never promises to always answer our question of why, but rather does promise to reveal his perspective and ultimately purpose. I'll say that one more time. God in his word never promises to always answer our question of why, but rather does promise to reveal his perspective and ultimate purpose. If you think about the story I just told about Bethany Hamilton, I'm sure she, in her darkest of times, was wrestling um, with the Lord. Why God? Why me? Why me? And we all do this, right? Bad things happen. When I was going through my, my issue years ago, that was my, my, my prayer, you know, my wrestling with God constantly. Why God? Why God? Why God? And we all do this. And oftentimes God is going to respond to you and not the way that you think. And so what I mean by this is he doesn't promise that he's always going to reveal and answer your question in the way that you want it answered. But what he will do is give you perspective, Let's consider these couple examples. Abraham sacrificing Isaac, right? The Bible says that as Abraham lifted up the knife to sacrifice his son, an angel came and said, you know, don't harm that boy. But look, he changed his perspective. He said, look, there's a ram caught in a thicket. It was all about perspective. It wasn't like he didn't give Abraham a discourse. Well, Abraham, this is why I did this for you, right? And he starts explaining to him. No, he just gave, he just shifts his perspective. What about Moses at the burning bush? Again, Moses argues with God at the burning bush, right? Like, he's like, why, why me? And, you know, he, he, he goes, I mean, I'm not, I'm not like, you know, um, I'm old in age and I have uh, not the best speech. And so, you know, going back and forth with God. But again, what does God do? He gives Moses perspective. Jesus calming the storm, right? And he rebuking the disciples, Again, he never goes and tells the disciples why he told them to get into a boat and there would be some storm. He gives them his specific rebuke is about perspective. He says, look, if I'm in the boat with you, you should have anything to fear, right? You should be asleep with me, okay? So God will always reveal perspective. One of my favorite ones here is, is the story of Job. If you read the discourse, Job is like, you know, classic story in the Bible uh, of somebody who's gone through a whole lot, to put it very mildly, and God never, like Job asked God the same question. God, why are you doing this? Why are you allowing this to happen? And, and, and God basically goes on, you know, two or three chapters where he just, you know, I call it, he flexes on Job. He basically tells Job, I'm God and you're not. Be quiet kind of a thing. Where were you when I created the world? And look at Job's response at the very end of this thing in Job 42, 1 through 5. It says, Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. That's so good. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered, watch this, what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear and I will speak. I will listen I will, excuse me, I will question you and you will make it known to me. I had heard of you by hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. God, in all of your struggles or good times, bad times, wants to get you to this place of pursuit, prepare you for something, and then give you a perspective that you've never seen before. And we have to be open to that. There is no scenario where Jesus allowed the atmosphere around him, the circumstances around him, the things that were happening all the way to the cross to change him, right? 
A lot of times, especially when we come to the altar, you know, when I pray for a lot of people, I'm, I'm praying the prayer of faith. Don't get me wrong. But a lot of times we're praying that prayer of faith and we're saying, if I can just get this thing, then I can have peace. And Jesus demonstrates it, that it's the opposite. It is possible to have peace now in the midst of your struggle, in the midst of your pain. Peace comes first. Then, I mean, look at the story. I can think of a lot of examples. Look at the story of Job. Peace and perspective comes first. Then all the stuff that gets put back together happens after that, right? And so um, the source of peace on the inside is greater than the outward burdens. And that's one of the things God wants to get out of us, right? If we can get to this place, there's not anything that could tempt us, anything that could lead us astray, nothing that can touch us. If God is for us, who can be against us? Because we got perfect, perfect peace no matter what seems to be in disarray around us. And so therefore, peace provides the perspective. There I say peace is the perspective because it, it signifies perfect, perfect trust and faith in God. You know, I, I believe um, that God oftentimes wants to surprise us when we least expect it. Uh, I'll just share a quick, quick yeah, I'll just apply this, this, this three steps to, to how I met my wife. Uh, you know, when I was in my early 20s, um, you know, you think about the, the, the three steps, right? Pursue, preparation, and then perspective. Uh, I, was, I was looking for uh, my future spouse, and I was started to wrestle with this, right? Because I was like, well, Lord is not sending me anybody. And, you know, um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I met somebody in college. That didn't work out. So you're kind of like re- wrestling with, um, you know, my future. You know, this might be good for some of the young pe- people to hear. So, so the first stage is, you know, I, I started pursuing the Lord, Okay started pursuing the Lord. And what did that look like for me? It, it meant just, you know, praying every night, Lord, just, I'm, you know, prepare me, uh, you know, give me um, the, the, you know, the eyes to see who it is that you would have for me to marry. And so then the preparation part, you know, which was a lot of uh, waiting for me, but it was just preparing me for what it meant to be a man of God and come in a relationship um, with uh, who is soon to be my, my future wife. And then finally, uh, the perspective piece. The peace piece. So I love this story because I'll never forget um, Pastor Dr. Kayton. I keep calling him Pastor Kayton. He did this message, and um, man, I can't I, I can't remember. I think it was about um, I think it was about was it Jacob and, and Rachel? Uh, I can't remember all the details. I need to go back to my notebook to find this. But I remember when he did that message. That was the day I was like, because I was wrestling. I was like, God, I want this thing now. I want it now. I want it now. And at that particular point in time, after that message, peace came over me. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. And literally, I would have been comfortable waiting 10 more years or whatever it is for my future spouse. And from that particular point in time, I think it was about maybe two or three months later, I, I, met, I met Amanda. <laughs> so I met my spouse. And so again, this idea of purpose can be applied to anything, but ultimately God wants us to get to this place of peace. So no matter what situation you're in, little or small, it could be like you stubbed your toe or whatever, you're having a bad day. God wants to want you to go from pursuing him, acknowledging that there is, that he, you know, that everything can be tied to him and purpose, uh, prepare, and then ultimately give you the perspective of peace. And so in closing, if the worship team wants to come up, Um, I just want to submit to you three ways just to draw out purpose, three things, kind of practical things you can do to begin to draw out purpose. And it's kind of cool because this exercise is something that everything you do, you wake up, you go to work, God has purpose there. You're working out, God has purpose there. You're eating a meal, you're preparing a meal, you're having a conversation with friends. God has purpose in everything. And so, um, God does care very deeply. I want to reiterate that about your situation for what you go through on a daily basis. And I do want to encourage you that I've heard this said once, and I thought this is so good. It says that um, you are the way you are because of why you are. So what's cool is a good place to start with purpose is you examine yourself and say, like, your design from your physical appearance to your demeanor to your emotions, all that, it is linked to your purpose. Absolutely. You are the way you are because of why you are. Now, obviously, we still need to be in intimacy with the Lord to unlock all what he has, has put in us. And again, I'll read Proverbs 20 and 5 says, The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. So three ways to draw out purpose. Number one is establish a rhythm of repentance. Establish a rhythm of repentance. Repentance is not just a one time, I'm sorry, Jesus, right? 
Like it's a rhythm. It's a way of life. Repentance just means change your mind. We're constantly repenting. When I was in uh, Florida recently, I was down there and, and I was exposed to their like sulfur tasting water <laughs> and it, it doesn't taste good to me. But as I'm drinking it, the Lord kind of, you know, reminded me, he said, look, these people down here, they don't even realize that their water tastes nasty. <laughs> like, and so it's probably not long before eventually you just get used to the, the taste of that water. And so the question is like, at what point do you stop noticing the difference? And so, you know, when it comes to sin, this is, this is kind of how, why sin is what it is. It's not so much the one-time action, right, of sin. Pastor Dominic did an amazing message in, 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 in Valley View um, this past Sunday, but it's not just the one-time action of sin. It's resting, in that, it's resting in that so much that you don't know the difference. You don't have the conviction. And so I'd encourage you, I know I said James 1 was some homework for you, but First uh, John uh, chapter 1, you know, please go, go read that. Uh, it's so, so, so rich because I wish I could, you know, talk more on this, but it says, First uh, John chapter, First John chapter 1 verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so the idea is, I looked up this, this, this word confession, it's basically just staying in agreement for what God says is a, is a purpose for your life and what is not. And you can see this in the world today. This is what makes the world so dark today. It's, because, it's not so much the actions and the things that the people are doing. It's that they're calling those things good. They're, and they're misaligned with the word. So there's no confession at all. There's just, they're just saying this stuff is okay. This is natural. This matter of fact, this is of God. And for all first, this is actually encouraging because this, this tells us the power of the cross in terms of the forgiveness, forgiveness of sin. As we are becoming like Christ, pursuing righteousness, pursuing our purpose, we're going to fall. We're going to make mistakes. And all God is simply saying is just own up to it. Be honest about it. I'm going to help you transform and we're going to keep moving on. So establish a, a, a rhythm of repentance. Number two, come into agreement with God's word. Pastor Troy said it so well earlier, uh, but I wanted to read the scripture because I've been thinking about it a lot and I love this. It's Ezra 7 and 10. Watch the, watch the progression here. Three things. It says, for Ezra has set his heart to first do what? Study the law of the Lord, right? Then he says, and to, to do it and then to teach it. And, and it says, I'll re read it. It says, do it and teach the statutes and rules in Israel. And so, again, it's just the idea that um, it's not just good enough just to, to read the word, but we need to internalize it. We need to do it. And then hopefully we all start to teach it, right, to our family members, to one another. And it becomes a part of who we are. It's like... Uh, I, I thought of this as like my, my kids when I make them, you know, eat vegetables, right? They, they look at the vegetables and like, I don't want to eat vegetables. And they kind of do it half-heartedly, right? Or force those vegetables down. Um, you know, this is how we are a lot of times with the Word of God. We just like force it down and we move on. But we have to move past the, you know, this whole notion of, well, well God told me to do it, you know. It's the right thing to do, so I might as well do it. Versus the revelation of how good the command is. Right? This, is where, this is why David was called a man after God's own heart. In Psalm 119, in verses 103 and 104, it says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. So it's not good enough just to read the Word of God. You guys start falling in love with the Word of God. It's not just a list of commands and things that we ought to do just because God said to do it. I mean, it is. But what's even deeper than that is the revelation is that, oh, my gosh, this stuff is good for me. This is good food. So come into agreement with God's word. And then finally, number three, sow and release. So much here. But um, one of the things that to, to kind of put all this together is that as you enter into your purpose, your, your purpose for life and even uh, things that lead you to your purpose, um, you have to. How do I say this? Die to your dream. And what, what do I mean by that? Die to your dream. It could be a dream. It could be something that, you know, you don't want to let go of, right? And God's going to do one of two things. He's going to say, after you release it and submit it, he's going to say, well, pick it right back up. Or he's going to say, pick up something better, right? But we have to come to the place at some point to say, in order for me to step into what God has called me to, I got to be willing to lay it down. Like, it's so interesting as I was driving here this evening, um, I was so excited to speak. I was so excited to, um, to share this message. 
But God took me back three years ago when Pastor Troy first asked me to speak, and I was terrified <laughs> when I first came. And, and, and he'll tell you, he asked me probably about two to three years prior to that to speak, and I kept telling him no, kept telling him no. And it's the idea that I go back to that threshold of fear. Um, if you stay at that place, you never know what God truly has for you beyond that threshold. And so, um, you know, if we can lay that thing down, whatever it is, pride, fear, you know, whatever it is, we can enter in what God has for us. Um, once David was anointed king, right, he knew he was going to become king. But you had to believe that when he faced off against Goliath, there he had to still walk through that same threshold of fear. He had to come to the realization that, you know what? Yeah, I was called, I'm called to be king. But in this moment of time, I have a giant facing right in front of my face. And so for, in order for me to pursue my purpose, I need to just come to grips that, you know what? It's possible that anything can happen. But I'm going to push, push through that and trust God. And so I'm going to sow whatever it is and I'm going to release it and give it over to God's hands. You know, it's much like the Lord's Prayer that Jesus teaches us and admonishes us to pray. And it, it really, ultimately, the words go, you know, Lord, your will be done in my life. Your will be done in my life. And so only you know what that thing is or whatever it looks like. But we have to be willing to let it go. And if God, you know, wants that thing, if he ordained that thing, he'll bring it back. And so in closing, um, we can all stand. I'll just share um, one more um, I think revelation here that God gave me is that if you go back and read the story of the construction of the temple, um, Solomon's temple, it was very immaculate. It was made of gold and all kinds of awesome, you know, constructed materials. But um, ultimately the purpose of that temple was to meet with God. It was to meet with God. It was a meeting place for the Lord. And so it wasn't the temple that impressed God. It wasn't the gold. And it was such a tragic story when that temple eventually got ransacked and, and burned to the ground um, and all that plunder got, got taken away from Israel. But it wasn't all the outside that, that appealed to the Lord, but it was the hearts of the people. It was the hearts of the people. And so I just want to, as we close tonight, your heart ultimately is what appeals to the Lord. Not the things that you put on the outside, not the things that even you're going to do for the Lord, your heart, you meeting and having intimacy with the Father. And so let's all close our eyes and uh, I just, I'll just do, you know, two altar calls. Um, one is, again, anybody in here that um, either has strayed away from the Lord or, or has never declared the Lord, um, declared Jesus as Lord and Savior. Um, I just pray that uh, thank you that the Lord has led you to this place. And the Bible says all you need to do is believe in your heart, confess in your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he died and rose again, and that one day we will be lifted up with him and you will be saved. And then I also want to just pray for, um, for those that have been really wrestling in a dry season or a season where purpose is, seems to be fleeting. There seems to be so many things that are happening or not happening, and um, there just seems to be no point to the season of life that you're in. And I, and, I, and I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that right now you're revealing purpose. You're, 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 you're sending down peace that passes all understanding, that your people are resting in peace, that they are putting aside their pride, and that they're willing to, uh, you're giving them boldness to go through the threshold of fear, like David talked about in Psalm chapter 20, 23. And that on, on the other side of those things, that you have so many things prepared um, that we would have never imagined by ourselves. And so, Lord God, uh, we, we honor you, Lord God, in this place. We, we worship you. We, we declare you, Father God, as Lord. We thank you, Lord God, for that you have all purpose in your hands, and we get to be a part of what you're doing on the earth. So we give you all the praise, honor, and glory. Bless your people as they go this evening. Encourage them, uplift them, um, as you always do, Lord God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.
on, I hope. Can you hear me? Okay. As I was praying, uh, the picture in this story came to mind of Jack and the Beanstalk. We remember him, right? A poor boy, he trades his family cow for beans, and he has to climb a beanstalk to fight a giant. But, and he apprehends what everything that the giant is holding on to. He cuts down the beanstalk to the giant's demise. But let's put it on with a prophetic lens tonight. What is God trying to say to us? God is saying sometimes we have to sacrifice the practical to experience the supernatural. The verse that comes to mind is a form of godliness without any power. Yes, you might have to face a giant. David did, but he won with God on his side. But in the end, not only did Jack apprehend the wealth that was stolen from his family, he took out the giant for wealth for future generations. So I sense God is saying to us tonight, sow the seed, take the risk, face the giant, you will win because God is on your side. And you might be saying, I don't understand. I have debt and I'm afraid it's going to affect my family. But what happens to the widow? Remember she was in debt and thought she was gonna lose her two sons? What happens? The prophet shows up and he multiplies what's in her hand, the oil. So God is saying to us, he's going to multiply what's in our hand. Look, what has he given you even today? Can you sing? Can you bake? Can you cook? Can you write? He wants you to take the risk, sow the seed, and know he's going to multiply what's in your hand. So if you need prayer for that, if that resonates with you, I encourage you to get prayer and watch what God's going to do in your life, even starting tonight. So here's what we want to do. Can I get some altar ministers to come forward? If you need prayer tonight, we want to pray for you before you leave. If you're watching online and you gave your heart to the Lord tonight, please let us know how we can get a hold of you. We want to contact you, give you some tools uh, for your journey of faith. If you're here tonight, you gave your heart to the Lord or you need prayer. You need some courage to walk through the gauntlet of fear. We want to pray for you tonight. Uh, go encourage tonight. We love you. Live right. Love everybody. Pray hard. If you need prayer, come this way. God bless you as you go. We'll see you Sunday morning. God bless you.